At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This is hour number two, Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe hanging out here at the VSIN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. James Lynn is out there in Colorado. James, Let's turn our attention to Major League Baseball because we have a number of games that are about to get underway in about 30, 40 minutes or so. There's actually a game going on right now in Atlanta. They're in the sixth inning. The Braves right now taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates right now in Atlanta. Oh, sorry. That's not the <laughs> That game's coming up in 30 minutes. Cleveland is taking on Oakland. They lead 3-1 to one in the sixth inning, I should say, right now. The Guardians minus 1,100 on the money line. The A's plus 600. I was getting ahead of myself because I wanted to ask you about this Pirates and Braves game in Atlanta. First pitch, 34 minutes. The Braves minus 250. The Pirates plus 190 with a total sitting at 9. They're looking for a sweep today, too, against the Brewers. So NL East getting stronger as some contention there for the Mets, considering how well the Mets started off this season. But looking at the Pirates here, I think this is a, it's an interesting matchup for the pitching standpoint with Quintana. Quintana is one veteran, crafty pitcher. He's not going to be one that challenges a lot of hitters. Nothing center cut, works along the black, kind of really changes eye level. Crafty that way and not a big-time strikeout pitcher, but you have to be patient against Quintana to – to, to work the count in your favor, that's going to be the challenge here. What's interesting for the Braves, this offense, is, it's, it's so interesting with the Braves. They have the second most home runs in baseball, 
but they also lead the bigs in strikeouts. So mm -hmm. you know what the swing is. Launch angle analytics today. We're looking no shame in striking out for this team. Let's try <laughs> to hit the ball through the alley and over the fence. Is that going to happen here? Because I think that's where... Uh, you know, for, for the Pirates in Quintana, can he get past? He's only gone past six innings twice so far this season in 11 starts. He's really not somebody that team that uh, Pittsburgh doesn't want to have him have to face a rollover of the lineup three times. So, you know, do the Pirates are, are the is he able to keep the Pirates into this game through five innings, maybe six? I think he only goes five. It's kind of what the best standard has been for Jose Quintana so far this season. And then for the Braves digging into the bullpen for the Pirates later. Uh, ultimately, they're going to have Kyle Wright, young Kyle Wright, on the mound. He's been really tremendous so far for the se this season for the Braves. Has allowed three earned runs or less in 10 of his 11 starts this season, including four games without any runs scored. So I think for the first five, I was kind of looking at the first five and maybe thinking, all right, well, in this case here, kind of the pitching matchups to get involved. The total for the first five, looking at potentially playing this under, it's sitting at it's, it's sitting at five. I mean, you get you can find some various very different props here, but mm -hmm. the total first five sitting at minus one fifteen to the under. That's probably kind of the way that I lean here, just considering what this what this matchup looks like between Wright and Quintana on the hill. Yeah, the Braves laying that hefty price as they've won 10 straight so far. The defending champions starting to yeah. make that push as we enter these summer months here in the middle of June. The New York Yankees continue their stellar play in the Bronx. They beat the Cubs last night. They've won three straight. Yankees minus 225 later on this afternoon. Cubs plus 180 in this match of the total sitting at eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, look at the total here. Jameson Tyon on the hill for the Yankees today. And he's been sensational at home in Yankee Stadium. Nobody else really has been as far as visiting pitchers are concerned. They've been getting blasted. We saw that yesterday with the young rookie having to take a beating. Gave up six home runs to the Bronx Bombers. Those The, the, the Yankees lead. We talked about the Braves being second overall in team home runs. They're at 80. Well, the Yankees are number one overall with a pretty good margin, too. They have 94 home runs on this season. So they're built for that. We know how the, how the ballpark is built there in New York. It's a favor. Short porches on both both ends and judge taking advantage of it. He's got 24 homers. I think he had two more last night. And then on the other side, you're going to have a rookie going or for the Cubs here. You're going to have Keegan Thompson. He's going to get the start today. He, he pitched pretty well earlier this season, but then he gave up three long balls to Baltimore on, I think it was Tuesday in his last start. So long balls flying out of the yard against Thompson. Now you get to come into the band box of Yankee Stadium to face this lineup against New York. This is a bad matchup here. I get why the number is is sitting where it is and would make sense to me. There would be only one side. I wouldn't lay that much. I don't lay $2 in any kind of sport mm -hmm. with any kind of prop or team, but here you want to get in front of the Yankees right now, Femi? Be my guest. Nope. You want to jump on the Cubs? <laughs> Me? No, yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm thank good. you. No, thank you. I'm good to pass. Total pass here is the uh, Yankees have just been, uh, just been smashing the ball. You say you don't want to lay two dollars, but would you lay one ninety? Because that's what the Phillies are laying at home against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Philadelphia, another streaking team. They've won nine straight here as they've found their legs out there in the NL East. Diamondbacks coming back the other way at plus one fifty five with a total of nine and a half. I would if it wasn't Suarez on the hill, and Suarez is just one that that, that you know it, it's just a 
Maybe this is where Ranger Suarez can get right here a little bit. And I know he had seven. He only gave up two earned runs his last his last start out in seven innings pitch. That's the longest streak. That's the longest uh, he's been this season. He has two starts where he's gone seven innings, and so many more starts can't even get at past the fourth inning. So that's the issue here. I feel like for the Phillies, I mean, nine in a row. These guys are hammering the baseball. What happened to this dead ball? Femi, yeah. the ball's not flying out of here. Not in Philly lately since they made the change to manager. Nine straight, we know that, but 22 home runs during this nine-game winning streak for the Phillies. Bryce Harper doing his part, hitting 433 with five homers and 13 RBIs during that win streak and during the last eight games for Bryce Harper, as a matter of fact. And then on the other side for the D-backs, you know, three and six on their current road trip. Of those six losses, they've been shut out three times, and makes sense. They have the second lowest batting average in all of baseball, and they strike out the third highest rate in Major League Baseball as well. So not a team that puts a whole lot of contact out there and to get traffic onto the bases. And for for the D-backs, Nelson is going to be the opener, so it's a bullpen game for Arizona. Just getaway day for Arizona, ready to wrap up this trip don't see it happening here. If I was going to choose between one or two, maybe that's I, I don't like to do money line parlays in baseball, but mm -hmm. maybe that's it. The Yankees and Phillies, two big favorites. Yeah, roughly $2 there. You'll get the plus, plus price back at the money line parlay. I'm not going to do that, but that's probably the way I would yeah. play if I was going to get involved. I just can't see the Yankees or Phillies losing in these matchups today to the Cubs or D-backs. Yeah, that's definitely the way to do it because we talk about these games from an individual standpoint and mainly focus in, like, on a, in a vacuum, but you can always parlay these things together if you like a couple favorites. You don't want to get too crazy with the money line parlays. You don't want to start doing five, six, seven, eight, nine team parlays or whatever, but two, maybe three, you might be able to find some uh, palatable prices here in Major League Baseball. Another streaking team, though, this is in the opposite way, the negative side. The Milwaukee Brewers, losers of eight straight. Can they get off the schneid? They're laying minus 125 in our nation's capital, taking on the Washington Nationals, who are plus 105 at home with a total of nine and a half juice on the under at minus 115. Yeah, look, I was looking at this pitcher matchup too and you've got a rookie He's going to make just his third start, career start, Jason Alexander, for the Brewers. Is he going to be the one to stop the bleeding right now with the eight straight losses that Milwaukee has suffered? Now, he's only got 12 big league innings under his belt, giving up just three earned runs, but he's also allowed more walks than strikeouts in those 12 innings pitched. Four, five base on balls in 12 innings versus four strikeouts. So he's not fooling anybody up there. Obviously, he is nibbling around that plate. And for the Nationals, they can be patient. This is another team that's been banging the base ball as of late. Everybody in the National League East feel, it seems like they are hammering the baseball. Even the lowly Nationals who were at the bottom of this division and really start out. April was just an awful month for Washington, but you know they are going for this. is If they win today, this is going to be their first series sweep all season long, and so you know they're going to be hungry and motivated to get that done. They've scored 19 runs in the first two games of this series, coming courtesy of seven home runs for, Nat, for the Nationals. So they've been banging the ball, but usually when it's a bullpen game and that's what I think we'll see for both sides I know Alexander is, is a starting pitcher but he's a rookie at that and for Espino is going to come out of the pen for the Nats to start this game he's just going to be an opener so bullpen day for Washington I typically just stay away from those it's just, 
it's it, those for, at least for me, for, I mean, those are just difficult to handicap because I mm -hmm. like to look at where most times at least for for old school guy like me i'm looking at starting pitcher that's where i start with my handicap anytime we're going to an opener and it's going to be a bullpen game in that sense it's tough for me to try to get involved but i wouldn't want to get in front i, I don't want to get i don't want to be on the side of the brewers right now this is a team that's struggling you gotta you're gonna have a rookie that's gonna try to stop the bleeding i don't know it seems like a, a small band-aid here on a big wound yeah, the opener is one of many wrinkles when it comes to handicapping Major League Baseball. Let's go to the Motor City, though. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Detroit Tigers. Tigers plus 105 at home. Blue Jays minus 130, the total of eight and a half. Ugh. Uh, I mean, the Tigers, you, you look at it. They're just, they're last in the league at drawing walks. They've got the third worst batting average overall in the bigs at 221. Last in stolen bases. So even if they do get somebody on base, there's no running game whatsoever. So it's, and they've scored the least amount of runs by a wide margin in the bigs, scoring, averaging 2.8 runs per game. Ooh, exciting baseball. Let's go, son. Let's have a sit down and uh, watch three up, three down for the Tigers on that side. But <laughs> just, it's just hard to watch. But you will get a decent pitching matchup, at least from the Tigers. The, one of the few bright spots, Scooble's going to pitch today. He's been, I think, probably the only bright spot. He's allowed just eight earned runs over his past 45 innings, 50 strikeouts versus just seven base on ball. So at least from a pitching standpoint, should be a good matchup here. Stripling, uh, he's kind of that middle reliever, long relief guy, going to get the start today. He has gone six starts this season, but hasn't gone past five innings in any of them. So I've uh, can't say I want to get involved with the Tigers because this is a team that just can't hit, but I understand the short price because they do have their best pitcher and really their best player to this point of the season on the mound for the Tigers. Yeah, the Tigers 10 games under 500. The Toronto Blue Jays 10 games over 500, but still eight and a half games back in the American League East, which is led by the New York Yankees, who have the best record in baseball at 43 and 16. On the other side, let's turn our attention back to the NBA. Finals MVP is rather interesting and could present us some valuable ways to bet this series as it is a best of three. We'll discuss that next here on Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years 
and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. So visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi Bebefe hanging out here at the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. James Salinas out there in Colorado. And let's talk a little finals MVP because the NBA finals, we are now down to a best of three series between the Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors. Right now, the Warriors, the series price is sitting at minus 150 over at BetMGM. Minus 150 for the Warriors, plus 125 for the Boston Celtics. And for me, I think of this series of, okay, I don't want to necessarily lay that minus 150 price for Boston, or rather for Golden State, I should say, when I can bet Steph Curry at minus 145 to win finals MVP. To me, it is directly correlated to the Warriors winning the title, Steph Curry being finals MVP. And if you're going to give me a five-cent discount right there as they're giving you at BetMGM, I think as a better, you have to take advantage of that. Make sure you're always looking to bet things 
in number of different ways because Steph Curry winning finals MVP means the Golden State Warriors will likely have won the NBA finals. Now, there's some discussion about would they give Steph Curry the award if the Boston Celtics won the series? I find that hard to believe. We haven't seen a losing player win finals MVP since Jerry West did it way back when. And if anybody in the modern day era was going to win finals MVP on a losing team, it probably would have been LeBron James in 2015, that first Warriors title when he was averaging a triple-double in that series most points, most rebounds, most assists of any player, but they end up giving that award to Andre Iguodala, which is why Steph Curry right now doesn't have a finals MVP on his resume. But when you look at Curry, he has been absolutely fantastic. And all the Curry doesn't really perform on the big stage of the NBA Finals talk I thought was just ludicrous because he's been really good and maybe yeah he was overshadowed by Kevin Durant who was fantastic in those past series but Steph Curry this year has eviscerated all those allegations of him not being a Finals primetime performer just with last night's game or rather Friday's performance there with 43 points at the Garden there with the Boston Celtics, uh, or the Warriors, I should say, tying up that series there. 43 points on 14 of 26 shooting, 7 of 14 from three-point range. But for the Boston Celtics, I do think the conversation for finals MVP is even more interesting because those are the plus money prices with the series tied at two with Boston right now an underdog to win the NBA Finals. And James, that's kind of what I want to kick it to you because Curry, we get it for the Warriors. Warriors win, going to be Steph Curry. Celtics win. I think it's Tatum. Some people still think Jalen Brown is live to win finals MVP. I'm curious to get your thoughts here with the Celtics side of this award. I just don't see the Celtics winning this series without Jason Tatum having two great games. They're going to have to win two games. We know that. We can At least I can do that simple math on an early Sunday morning, Femi. And he, he has to play. Number one, he's got to play better. He's, he's, been, he, he's hurt. You can see it with his shoulder. You can see it with the, the a lot of these scoop shots that he's doing to try to avoid contact. So he's because that shoulder is bothering him that he hurt in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat. But without Tatum being able to put up, he's had stretches, right? He had a stretch. Was it was a game two? I think he had a great stretch early in, in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. Maybe I forget the games, but ultimately he's had he's had his moments, but he hasn't been able to sustain that. And I think it's partially because that he's not healthy for one, and you can just see it through his play. Like I talked about, his lack of physicality, trying to avoid contact, scooping around, and then looking to the referees. That's the biggest issue for me. You can't be looking to the to the referees to give you a hug right now this is you got it's a three-game series this is to win the NBA finals the last thing these referees want to do is put themselves in front of the camera hopefully Foster is nowhere close to yeah. any of these final three games of this series, you know right? he's coming but, on Thursday for game six. Oh god yeah that's and that you have to handicap that although at least at least from this perspective we really haven't seen it in this series and maybe not even so much through the playoffs like we did the last couple of seasons absolutely in Hell yes, back in the bubble, playoff bubble, he and Tony Brothers, man, they <laughs> didn't see a camera. They never – that they didn't want to have their face in front of. But um, but beyond that, I think for, for Jason Tatum, they – yeah, Jalen Brown – with the, what was that? I think it was $7 to potentially win the MVP. Mm -hmm. I mean, potentially that could happen there. He's, he's, he's their second option for sure, and he's healthy. I think Marcus Smart is clearly not healthy either. We know Robert Williams is not healthy, but I think that takes a load and takes part of the load on Tatum. 
Because it, it's, again, the, this offense for Boston is all about beating your man off the dribble, creating and having guys have it to step over defensively for help and being able to recognize where that help is coming from, kick the ball out accordingly, and then reverse the ball for, from a good shot to a great shot opportunity. And we've seen that at times for the Celtics, be able to just take multiple players and target multiple players defensively for the Warriors off the bounce. But... Is Tatum going to allow the Celtics to play like that for 48 minutes? I just don't see it. I feel like Tatum is is wants to be he wants to be the fa- he knows he's the biggest name on this team as far as the franchise is concerned. And I'm sure as a young player, feeling like I've got to carry the weight, especially when he's having poor performances. And mm-hmm. this isn't a team where, like Clay Thompson, for instance, Femi. Clay Thompson, we know he's not going to be the same player that he was when they were winning titles a few years ago just with the injuries that, that he's had to both of his legs with Achilles and the ACL surgery. But is some, And so he'll defer and he'll recognize when he needs to pick it up and when he doesn't. Is Tatum going to be, as that young player, will he have the, not so much the ego, I don't, I'm not talking about Jason Tatum's professional and competitive ego to say, I'll defer and I'll go ahead and let, get, get other guys involved, let them kind of take, the, take some of the pressure off. I just feel like he's, just got, he's putting the pressure on himself to do this. And that's, I think sometimes competitors are that way. And Jason Tatum is a competitor to the extreme. And I think that's where he's kind of settling for things because he's not healthy and psychologically feeling like I got to be the guy here in Boston. That's my role. I got to step up. I got to get it done, especially making up for poor performances, poor shooting throughout this series. I just don't know if he's going to be willing to defer and be able to defer from a psychological standpoint to allow somebody like Brown to be the guy to lead Boston to win two games in this series to be NBA champions and make Brown the, the series MVP. Now, I haven't crunched the numbers or anything, but I'm almost curious to see if betting on both guys might give you a better price than the Celtics to win the series, especially if you think, like our guest Dan Titus, the NBA betting and fantasy analyst over at the Action Network, he thinks that the Celtics are going to win game five. So if you think Boston wins game five and then could potentially close out in game six, I wonder if you can get a better price than the plus 125 on the Celtics to win the series if you were to combine a Tatum-Brown finals MVP sort of bet to maybe get a plus 200. I haven't crunched the numbers. I'm not sure what it's going to be. I'd have to do that during one of the breaks or maybe probably after the show here if I want to get down to the nitty-gritty of it. But maybe something like that could be another way to bet on Boston just to ensure yourself because I doubt that anybody outside of Tatum or Brown for the Celtics would win finals MVP. And if somebody else plays better than those guys, then – they're probably in a world of hurt to begin with. But if you can combine those bets, maybe that's another way to bet on Boston that's a better price than the plus 125 currently in the market. Yeah, it wouldn't be anybody. It wouldn't be Horford. We've seen it. We saw it in that game one. It knocked down a number of threes. We saw it in one of the games against Milwaukee was that game three, I believe, for three or four on the road when he had a sensational game at Milwaukee in the second round of the playoffs. But Horford's not going to get as many minutes because he's starting to get exploited out there defensively, getting pulled away from a lot of high ball screens. But, you know, that would mean for to your impact, to your to your point, Femi, I'm not going to do the math either because (laughs) I would have to think that the Boston Celtics are going to win this series. And I don't. 
I don't think yeah. Boston is going to be able to win the series. I don't think they're going to win game five. And and you don't have to have a sensational game out of Curry to do it. I think this series goes seven. I'm hopeful this series goes seven because I want to be out there with you out there yeah, in Las baby. Vegas for <laughs> game seven next Sunday, Father's Day. We're already making plans for it. we got a big crew coming out with all the parents coming out from my son's baseball tournament. So we've got we got a go. big crew rolling out to, to, to Las Vegas next weekend. But that aside, I, I just I, the identity of both teams to me is clear. And the fact that Jason Tatum is not healthy with that shoulder and it's hampering not only his shooting ability, but also now it's gotten into him psychologically with his shot attempts where they're coming from and not not squaring up, not being strong inside the paint, fading away from contact, scooping and trying to avoid being hit. I just don't see the Celtics being able to pull this out. I mean, that was the game in game four. That was their opportunity. You let it slip through. I know they've been great on the road, but this is a whole other scenario here. It's a three-game series, and you've mm -hmm. got to go on the road and win one of either game five or game seven. They have to win game five. If it goes to game seven, I don't like their chances on the road yeah. in a one-game playoff. Yeah, I think the Warriors – in the, are in a good spot here because the, while I've said the Celtics I think are the better team the Warriors have the best player by far in this series and they have the home court advantage in what is now a best of three series can you imagine a Sunday next Sunday you in studio for a game seven it'll also be the final round of the U.S. Open that day as well it could be a fantastic sports day next Sunday but let's not get ahead of ourselves we still have a lot of basketball left to be played and to help us break down that basketball that's going to be played tomorrow night we bring in our next guest Sam Esfandiari of Light Years Pod coming up next. The VEASAN Summer Special is here for only $39. You get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VEASAN.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB Best Bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have Best Bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued Best Bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily Best Bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $39 to be a subscriber through July 31st, so sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe hanging out here at the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. James Salinas out there in Colorado. James, we were just talking a little NBA Finals in the last segment. And to help us continue that discussion, we bring in our next guest here. He doesn't have the podcast that's being touted on the national broadcast. We were hearing with Draymond Green and all that stuff, but he has a pretty damn good one covering the Warriors. His co-host of the Light Years pod, he is Sam Esfandiari. Sam, we appreciate you joining us here this morning morning with the series now tied 2-2. Steph was absolutely incredible in game four Friday night, but the main takeaway from a lot of people at our network and in the betting community is that the Celtics are the better team through four games. Do you agree with that? I do think the Celtics are the better team, but Steph Curry is the best player in the series, and that's what kind of makes this such a compelling matchup. I think they're relatively even. Um, obviously, it's 2-2, two -two, uh, but if you look at the way the games have gone short of the third quarter in Game 2 where the Warriors blew them out, uh, it's been pretty back and forth. Oh, do, do, we, do we lose connection, Sam? Are you still there? 
I'm here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. I was not sure if we lost connection or not. Um, but you mentioned Curry being the best player in this series and how it's been back and forth. Do you think that he can keep up this pace? I mean, 43 points. We were talking during the break that you thought this might have been his best performance in the playoffs in his career there. Can he keep up this pace the rest of the series? Um, I don't know because you're asking for him basically to put on the greatest shooting display in NBA history. Um, I mean, he's shooting 50% from three on, it has to be like 12 or 13 a game against the best defense uh, in the NBA in the finals. He's averaging 34, 35 points. I think it's hard to sustain that. If you wanted to look at it from a bright spot from the Warriors side, uh, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, and Andrew Wiggins, who've all been relatively consistent this season, haven't really got going in this series yet. So uh, if you're thinking of it from a Warriors perspective, you have to assume one of those players, I know Andrew Wiggins had the big game two um, mm-hmm. rebounding the ball, but shooting the ball, he's been inconsistent. You, you kind of, if you think the Warriors are going to ink this out, you're assuming one, if not two of those players starts kind of shooting more along the lines of what we've seen in other series in the playoffs. Sam, can you break down, I'd like to dig into the Warriors offensively and some of the adjustments that I think we've seen over the course of this series. We know the Warriors are tremendous offensively when it comes to uh, playing off the ball. A lot of action, a lot of movement, a lot of screening off the basketball. It's not a team that typically, like in today's NBA, a lot of isolation and or high ball screen kind of offense, two-man offense. But I feel like we've seen some change over the course of four quarters trying to exploit some of the defenders, in particular like Al Horford, trying to bring him out on ball screens. Even Robert Williams, who's dealing with his knee injury or this recovery from from late season surgery, not able to extend and play good perimeter defense on ball screens. What have you noticed from the Warriors offensively, the adjustments they've made from game one through game four? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, they're known for running more of a motion offense and running less pick and roll than the average NBA team. I want to say they run it the second or third least of any team in the NBA in the regular season, Uh, definitely in the bottom half. Um, The adjustment has actually been putting the ball in Steph's hands and running more pick and roll because I think Boston's defense is too good. They've blown up a lot of those off-ball actions that the Warriors are famous for, you know, like Steph and Clay coming off split cuts. Uh, Boston's defensive versatility is just too strong. Uh, and, you know, in general, I mean, Marcus Smart's Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, they have IQ across the board. Um, they're kind of designed to take away those off-ball actions. So that's why we've seen that the Warriors play more, more like traditional NBA teams where it is kind of like, Let's involve Robert Williams or Al Horford in a high pick and roll. Not that they're bad defenders, but the best the best offense you're going to generate is Steph getting them one on one at the three point line, rather than um, you know trying to run them off a screen. That all all it's going to end up happening is you're switching Marcus Smart to Jalen Brown onto him. You haven't really gained an advantage. <laughs> We're speaking with Sam Esfandiari, co-host of Light Years Pod. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. We were talking about Jason Tatum earlier in the show, Sam, and about how he's been inefficient from the field. Now, is that more the Warriors, what they're doing defensively, or is that more so Tatum is just kind of missing some shots here? I think it's 50-50. I think the Warriors have done an exceptional job at defending him when he gets below the free throw line. I mean, he's finishing nothing inside. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is playing some of his best basketball of his career, uh, particularly defending those drives. 
Um, and then Draymond, I mean, he's he's had his issues on offense, but as a help defender, he's still very good. And Looney's been really good. So they've really taken away um, kind of the interior game from him. Uh, with that said, like, he's getting some open jumpers that he's missing, and some of that's just bad luck. Mm-hmm. So I'd say it's a little bit of each. Sam, you mentioned Kevon Looney, and I, I think for Kevon Looney getting coming in, we saw the kind of the change from the third to the fourth quarter in game four with Draymond going down and Looney coming in. I think Looney's their best screener because right now I don't think Draymond wants to even, when he catches the ball, he's not even looking at the basket. He's a tremendous passer, great instincts within the offense off the ball for the Warriors to share the basketball. But talk about Kevin Kevon Looney's kind of impact on both ends of the floor. We know he's got the length and ability to try to contest some shots in the paint, but also offensively his ability to, to not only screen well and shape up off of the screens and dive to the basket for open opportunities above the rim and strong to the cup but what do you see him being as far as Looney's concerned his impact coming into this game five uh and the rebounding uh game three which Boston won the Warriors only played Looney I want to say 15 or 16 minutes they tried to go small against Boston and uh that was Robert Williams best game of the series I mean he just owned the glass Looney has turned himself into one of the best rebounders in the NBA. Uh, considering where he came from with, like, the two hip surgeries his first two years, mm. it's been an amazing development. Um, and that's been helping their offense as well. I, he's been getting a lot of offensive rebounds, second-chance points. I mean, the Warriors, they love to kind of get the offensive rebound and then kick it out to Steph or Clay, relocating against a scattered defense. I mean, that's kind of a trademark of theirs as well. I think the thing that's been interesting is this team has been known for their small ball throughout the run, throughout, you know, since 2014 15. Uh, it's been that death lineup with Draymond at the center. That's not their best lineup anymore. I, I don't think they have a better small ball lineup than Boston. Uh, actually, it's not that I don't think. I feel very confident that they don't. Their advantage might actually be going big and matching size for size because. Looney can rebound with those guys, and he does give them some advantages um, playing bigger that they, that they haven't had in the past. Well, let's turn our attention now to Game 5 tomorrow night. I want to talk about the total in this game because it continues to drop. Betters are liking the under. Right now we're down to 211.5 over at BetMGM. How do you see Game 5 playing out from a pace standpoint? <laughs> I, if I had to bet on what is the highest-scoring game of the series, I might go Game 5, honestly. Um, I think this one has the potential to be the game that gets Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole going as shooters. In Game 4, the Warriors were 3-for-17 on wide-open three-pointers. They're starting to figure out Boston's defense and at least generate looks. Now, are these, like, the wide-open looks you get, you know, in December against, like, the Orlando Magic? No. You know, they're a little more scrambled, a little quicker. But I kind of feel like the Warriors coming off of a big win in Boston, coming home. We know uh, players, especially role players like Jordan Poole, they play better at home. It does feel like a game that you could see those players get going because they have – it's been partially Boston's defense, but they also just have shot the ball poorly. It feels like they're due for one of those games where Warriors role players start hitting shots. And if they start hitting shots, it'll become a little more of an up-and-down game, in which case I assume Boston will start hitting shots. I would not be surprised if this game kind of, you know, 
veers the opposite direction of the other games in the series where uh, we see just a lot of shot making. Yeah, Thompson's player prop right now, 19.5 over at BetMGM. Jordan pulls 12.5 for the points. 10 seconds, who wins game five? Who wins the series? I go Warriors game five. Boston will win game six back at home, and I'm going to take the Warriors to win their fourth title in the Steph Curry era, closing at home in seven. What a story that would be. He is Sam Esfandiari, co-host of Light Years Pod. Sam, we appreciate the time and hope to talk soon. If there's a game seven, we want you back on Sunday. <laughs> hey, if there's a game seven, you guys got me next Sunday. Have a good one, guys. Awesome. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.
BetMGM, the king of sports books, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. So sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi and Bebefe hanging out here at the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. James Salinas out in Colorado. We just had Sam Esfandiari on, co-host of Light Years Pod, talking all things Warriors with this NBA Finals Game 5 coming up tomorrow night there. Good stuff from Sam there. Uh, he thinks that this is Warriors in 7. You sort of agree with him, Warriors in 7. I think from a content standpoint, Warriors in 7, Celtics in 7. I don't care. Just give me 7. That would be fantastic. Fantastic with you coming in studio next Sunday. But let's talk NFL here because NFL awards markets always fascinate me because I almost like to look at them from a process of elimination standpoint. And we'll start with MVP. We were talking during the break with Elliot, our producer here, and I was asking him how we kind of should be looking at these MVP markets, defensive player of the year markets, offensive player of the year markets. I want to start the discussion with you talking MVP and can a non-quarterback win most valuable player in the NFL? Not usually. And if we think about where this list stands and where, where is the first one even on this list <laughs> yeah. of the non-quarterback? How far of a long shot? I don't even know where that would fall. Got to go down the board. Uh, <laughs> yeah, non-quarterback. I mean, we, we talked about, you think about Jonathan Taylor last year, and he was, as the season progressed, he was kind of in the mix, discussion about the impact that he had for the Colts. Unfortunately, he had Carson Wentz on his team, too, so was able to uh, throw the football away to, to the other team multiple, multiple times in many games to kind of thwart the Colts' chances to be able to at least make the playoffs in that sense. So it's just so hard because, it, in a sense, it's, it's, we know it's a passing league rules everything is shaped in and in favor of offense and in particular the quarterback and you can't touch the quarterback i think the target is the target is i'm not even sure where the target is there is no target you can't even put a target on they may as well put red mm. red jerseys and flags on the quarterbacks now because you just can't hit these guys any longer and so they get to stand clean and tall in the pocket and make big plays you can't get up and be physical against receivers and and so it just allows the passing game to flourish in the NFL, and that's the challenge here. Who can go beyond that non-quarterback to put up not only numbers, obviously a lot of things are numbers-driven, but impact on the game and impact on the game for the duration of a full NFL season, 17 games now. I, I don't know who that player would be. Taylor was probably one of the few that were within the, the conversation last year as, as well as he played for the majority of the season until the – the latter part of the year where the, the Colts tank thanks to Carson Wentz. I don't know. Who, who would that be? Femi, I don't know who that is to, to be out there. But wherever that number is, it's going to be a long one. Yeah, well, right now at BetMGM, I'm looking at the shortest shot for non-quarterback to win MVP, and it's Titans running back Derrick Henry at 40 to 1. Now, to me, I think that's an absolute waste of money if you're going to bet 40 to 1 for a running back to win MVP. But Henry is the shortest shot for running back. Shortest shot for a wide receiver is Jamar Chase at 50 to 1 over at BetMGM. So, 
to me, those are those aren't the best prices. I think they're terrible prices, to be quite honest. There, from a yeah. value standpoint, as a better, but I think that MVP is purely a quarterback award. That's what it's gravitated toward. The influx of analytics into the discourse around the game has proven that quarterbacks are by far the most valuable players from a, an expected wins standpoint there with their production on the field, more valuable than all the other com- positions combined, essentially. So I think with more of the analytically driven data that's being put out there, more of the writers are becoming hip to that, the people who vote on these awards, to where this is purely a quarterback award. I mean, think about last season. The quarterbacks didn't really wow with Tom Brady, who was seen as the favorite until that bad game against the New Orleans Saints when they got shut out on Sunday Night Football. And then there was Aaron Rodgers, who his year was really good, but it wasn't as good as two years prior when he won MVP. So nobody was really in love with the quarterbacks. And we saw skill guys like Cooper Cup have historic seasons. Jonathan Taylor had an outstanding season. Cooper Cup, I believe, got one MVP vote. That in itself should tell you that wide receivers are not going to win this award as great as Cooper Cup's season was, and it was Jerry Rice-level great, one MVP vote. To expect him to duplicate that or to surpass that would be insane. I mean, so I think that you can cross off wide receivers. You can pretty much cross off running backs to where it's a quarterback-driven award. And when you look at the market of the quarterbacks who are on there, because they're all at the top of the board, which one stands out to you as a potential MVP vet that's valuable right now as we sit on June 12th? Well, I don't want to talk about the price and the numbers because the numbers obviously have to factor into that. But just looking at the players. So let's have those. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of separate the discussion, Femi. To me, the players is Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen, without Josh Allen, uh, and we can say we can say that for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without Tom Brady, et cetera. But without Josh Allen on that team, I mean, he makes everybody that much better. It's this isn't a Buffalo Bills team that's that's going to run the football. It's not a great offensive line. I mean, Diggs is a phenomenal receiver, but aside from that, Josh Allen is the has so many intangibles on the field beyond numbers, and that's what kind of bothers me with these awards because they are subjective. Be, in nature with the voting and there's a kind of a in a sense internal political NFL political narrative here is we want quarterbacks to be the face of this award right mm-hmm. we we posted up there we're gonna have a when, when do you see when we're Monday night Sunday night football Monday night football and it's gonna be uh, Trey Milano or you know Matt Milano for the Bills going into <laughs> New York to, to the Jets to play you know you don't see that <laughs> never and of course not but but I and I think partly partially to me and I'm subject you know I'm, I'm going to be. I'm not going to be impartial. I'm going to be biased towards Josh Allen. I just like. I, I was so impressed with him last year. I think mm. he's just such a phenomenal, not only a terrific player, and, and the work that he has done to prove himself to be at his accuracy in this league, and obviously he'd been coached up, but being receptive to to that coaching. A lot of guys come in and they can't. They just they can't handle being told you're not good at something or you need to get better at something. The growth maturity that we've seen out of out of Allen to be able to accept quality coaching get himself better. He's just committed to be the best player he can be, not only from a playmaking standpoint, but also from a leadership standpoint. His toughness is unquestioned out there. Such a tough player, competitive player. I love Josh Allen. Now let's get to the number side. 
$7, way too low. Not enough yeah. with the volatility of injuries, especially the way that Josh Allen plays. He doesn't want to take plays off. He is going to extend plays. He's not going to sit at the pocket and throw the ball away to, to live another down or live another series. He is wanting to make a play each and every time he touches the football. Can be subjected to injury just based on the way that he plays. So at $7, there's the price factor in there. Way too short for me to get involved. Yeah, Josh Allen, a co-favorite with Patrick Mahomes, who has won an MVP yeah. in the past there. And this award market, to me, it's always fascinating because you try to get ahead of it and get some big prices because you want to get the 40-1, to 50-1, to 1 or 80-1s, to 1s, whatever Lamar Jackson was before he won MVP back in 2019. But I think as a better for myself, speaking for myself only – I have not bet into this market this year. I've done it in the past in the preseason, but this year I think I'm going to take a different approach of just waiting because this is a voted on award and it is subjective like you mentioned. And I want to wait to get the gauge of what the narrative is going to be because the writers and the media, they can kind of tell you and guide you on where the direction is going to go with this award. So I think the valuable information is not trying to get inside of the head of the voters, but more so listening to the voters, consuming that content of people talking on the daytime TV shows or the talk on Twitter on Sundays, what the discussion is around these guys, because that can lead you to what the valuable bet might be because it is a voted on award. You might not get the best number, but you might be led in the best direction by doing that approach. Is that kind of how you approach MVP betting? Well, I typically don't bet the MVP mm. because it is subjective and the NFL, just the, again, the volatility of injuries and the end. It's just, it's so prevalent. We know that the physicality of this league, even though quarterbacks rarely get touched, unless you are somebody like Josh Allen, who does get outside the pocket and extends plays. But if it's all about the, the discussion and putting, you know, you're, you're putting not only players but also teams out there well then hell just bet on deck prescott every year to be part of that narrative because it seems like it's the <laughs> the it's the dallas cowboys league right of the national football league it doesn't matter where dallas is doing well or not it seems like they are the front and center constantly mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, non-sports betting sports media talking about the dallas cowboys i know you're a dallas cowboy fan oh, no, I, so I, no I, no offense <laughs> intended here but I, I, it just feels like it's constant cowboys 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 whether they're good or not so as well just bet Dak Prescott from that standpoint. Yeah, if you think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be good, uh, bet Dak Prescott right now because like you mentioned, if they're good, they're going to be talked about. If they're bad, they're going to be talked about. But if they're good, they're going to be talked about even more in the whole Super Bowl discussion after one or two wins in Dallas. That's how things tend to go there with America's yes. team in the NFL. But on the other side, I want to continue this awards discussion because I think the market is not catching on to something that might be prevalent here as we move forward in the NFL. We'll discuss that next here on Betting Across America. This is VSIN, the sports betting network. Whether you're a novice or a seasoned veteran in the sports book, VSIN is here to help you improve your sports betting skills. VSIN has assembled the leading team of insiders and handicappers to analyze and handicappers to analyze and handicappers to analyze and handicappers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.